if you approach social media as a tool, it makes it a lot easier to be on it and not you know, attribute your personal worth to how your social media account is. It's a tool for your business. It's a way to create awareness for your business, but it's not your business and it's not you. Hi guys, we're your hosts, Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adults, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi, friends. Today's episode is one we are so excited to dive into as Instagram fiends ourselves because we're talking all things growth and engagement for Instagram with Laura Batoyu. She's the founder of B Squared Social, a social media marketing agency based in Vancouver. And she is awesome. We literally chatted about all the things you would ever need to know about everyone's fave social media platform. Like, everything. We talked about how to strategically use all the different products Instagram has to offer, how to hack the elusive algorithm, tips for crushing your next reel, figuring out what content to post, the best tools to use, and how to have a healthy relationship with social media. Which is very key, as we have figured out. Yes. And Instagram just has so much value for both creators and consumers, which is why we really wanted to like devote a whole juicy episode to it, because it's a tool for individuals even if you're not like approaching this from a business perspective it's great to practice creative expression build memories to connect and stay in touch and it's a platform for hustlers to build their own brand like hello influencers who make six figures just on instagram (laughs) and then it's obviously like such a crucial way for businesses to build trust and connection with their audiences We're literally living in a time when fast food brands have online personas and Tom and Jerry's are political activists and Netflix has totally changed the game with like these hilarious different Instagram personality accounts to interact with one another. So clearly this shit matters and having an online social media persona and presence is really key. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how it can make or break the success of a company or or a campaign. Like it's totally replaced traditional media in some aspects. The power of Instagram is insane, friends. So whether you're a hobbyist, a small biz owner, or an aspiring social media manager, Instagram has a big part to play and there's a ton to gain from the platform and from this episode because how you show up online and on social matters is just the world that we live in now. It's true. And we were so excited to interview Laura because building a community on Instagram for this podcast has been so rewarding for us. It's been like one of our favorite parts of this whole process and we've learned so much, but there are also so many questions that we still have and like nuances that we've been looking forward to understanding more about. And it also just feels like the platform is always changing. It's changed so much even since we like launched our our social presence for the pod. So it was just really great to get some clarity from a pro on how we can grow and interact and show up as our best selves. Totally. And full transparency, friends, Instagram gives me so much anxiety. Like Jill knows this. She always like talks me off a ledge before I post anything. It's true. It's true. I, it's I'm thing. just a total overthinker. I, I can't help that I'm getting better. But Laura had such amazing tips on how to stop overthinking and just put yourself out there in this episode. And like the key thing to remember is that by overthinking, you're really just going to do yourself more harm than good or your business or your brand. So honestly, just remember that no one really gives a shit as much as you think they do. I mean, that's kind of the cold hard truth that we all need to hear, but it but it's true. If you remember that, you kind of stop overthinking and you just kind of 
give it your all, you know? Yeah. It's just a post. It's just that's, a post. That's really, it's just, that's the tea. Just Let it liberate you. No one cares what you're doing. So just do what you want to do as long as it's respectful. Yes. But yeah, let's dive into it. So Laura is the founder of B Squared Social, a boutique social media marketing agency based in Vancouver, BC, that offers social media marketing solutions for premium brands and service-based professionals. She's had clients featured in Forbes, Inc., and Business Insider, and she offers coaching, consulting, online courses, and social media management services. She does it all. And she basically quadrupled her own following by doubling down on Instagram Reels this year, and it is so impressive. Yeah, yeah. We watched it happen and we're like, we must pick her brain. Yes. So, yes. so here, here we are. she is. <laughs> Teach us how to up our Instagram game, Laura. Tell us about your journey to launching Burden Management and now B Squared Social. Totally. So I did my undergraduate degree in business. I wasn't sure, like, what I was going to do afterwards. I knew I wanted to be self-employed. I knew I wanted to work for myself, but I didn't know what that looked like. So, you know, finished my degree, um, traveled for a bit, worked for a restaurant for a couple of years, did a year of law school thinking that'd be a good fit. And it was not, went back to working in restaurants and I worked my way up and I was managing a restaurant. And, you know, I noticed that we had like no social media present. There was no website. It was just very like bare bones. So that was something I started doing like on my days off. I would come in and stage photo shoots and um, like plan out my content for the month basically for the restaurant and it was super cool because people would come in and order like directly off of their phones like they'd be like I want this and this and like point at the Instagram feed and I would get so many questions from like customers asking like oh who does your social and I'd always say oh like it's just me like like it's not a big deal kind of thing so people would come in and ask how they could work with me if I was taking new clients for social and I wasn't at the time um, but then we had an unexpected death in my family in January 2018 and I developed really bad anxiety and I've like always been kind of an anxious person, but it was like debilitating to the point where I'd have panic attacks if I left the house. So I like needed to do something that like didn't require me to leave the house basically. And that was when I decided to like try and start my own business. So at the beginning I was doing like web design, I was doing branding, I was doing social, I was doing photography, like I was doing literally anything and everything because I was just so desperate to make it work. And then uh, maybe about a year, half ago, I like firmly niched down to social media only. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do the rebrand is because I knew like the name didn't really reflect what I was doing anymore. Um, I also got married in May 2019. So my last name isn't Burden anymore. Um, so Burden Brand Management didn't really make sense. So I've been working on the rebrand for about six months now. And then we finally you know, unveiled that about a week ago. So it's been really exciting to you know, have the brand kind of grow and develop as the agency and what we're doing changes as well. That's so awesome. Congratulations! Yeah, congratulations. And it's really inspiring that you turned something that was really difficult in your life into this like amazing brand that you've built. So good for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was um, not easy, but it was like, I just hear from so many other business owners when I'm like, oh, like, why did you start your business? It was kind of like the same thing. It was like a sink or swim moment where it was like, I have to figure this out or I'm never going to figure it out. So yeah, I think sometimes that's like a catalyst we, we almost need or can take advantage of. Yeah. And B squared social is killing it. <laughs> so you're, you're down the right path. <laughs> One of the things we often hear 
for growth strategies is to niche down and just really hone in on who your core audience is. And we just want to know, is this something that you recommend? Because what if you're multifaceted and you like talking about lifestyle, real estate, finance, and home decor? Like if there's a lot to a person, should they really niche down? Yeah. I mean, I think when you're starting, when you're starting out, it really makes sense to start small and then expand from there. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to gain traction in one area first. And then from there you can expand out. Um, I know it's hard because you feel like you're putting yourself in a box, especially if you're multi-passionate. Um, but I do think with just the way Instagram is and like how competitive the landscape is, it is really important to start with your one thing and then go from there. So I know it like it feels counterintuitive because you think, you know, you're missing out on all these other opportunities. Um, but once you get really clear and laser focused on that one thing, it is so much easier for the right opportunities to come around and to find you. And then, of course, one thing people don't always consider is that when you do decide to niche down on one thing, it gives you the opportunity to become an expert in that thing. So when I stopped doing web design, when I stopped doing branding, I stopped doing photography, that freed up so much time and energy for me to focus only on social media. So I think it's a good thing to niche down and get really, really specific as soon as you can. That's good advice. Some people also just have different accounts for different parts of their lives. So I see people yeah. who are like, you know, digital coaches and they're, they have like very business focused Instagram accounts and then they've started side accounts. It's like, this is just my personal account because I love home decor. And so that's another way totally. to yeah. go about it. That's a great way to do it too. If the audience is different, then it should be a different account. So like my personal account is a different audience and what they're looking for than obviously my business account. So I don't share like, I don't know, skincare routines on my business account. But if someone asks me that on my personal account, that's absolutely something I'll share. So we love that you have achieved a lot of success on your account by leaning really hard into reels. And like, I even just have watched your growth as you've been posting more and more reels. And it's really, really cool to see. So why should people be posting more reels right now? And what are your top tips for success when you're using that feature? Yeah, so one of the important things to think about Reels is that right now we are seeing algorithmic favor with them um, in the form of you know Reels showing up in the Explore page and then also the in-feed suggestions. So I don't know if you've noticed when you're scrolling, you will see like that little tab of Reels that are suggested for you come up. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that for any other content type right now. Like Instagram is not pushing you strangers content in your feed, like that doesn't happen. Um, so that's one reason I'm a big fan of Reels because there is that element of explorability. And plus, obviously, when you're scrolling in the Reels tab, you are seeing content from people you don't follow. So they really are pushing this feature. Other things to consider for Reels, they do build the know, like, and trust factor. When you see someone on video, it is a deeper connection than it is when you just read a static feed post and scroll through it. Mm -hmm. Video builds that connection. And I think that's a really important part of Reels that people need to capitalize on. Another cool thing with Reels is that we're seeing such longevity with them. Like, I have posted Reels that are, you know, a few months old, and I still get traction on them. Like, I will still get comments. I still get... Um, shares, I still get DMs about them. So I think the longevity of Reels makes them the best ROI of any, any content type on Instagram right now. In terms of like what it takes to be successful with Reels, I would say being consistent is really important. I've seen people who will post like two or three Reels and be like, oh, that's it, they didn't work, I'm never posting another one. It's like, that's not how it works. Like if you think about how when you first start out on social media, you don't know how to even create a post, you don't know anything about hashtags, you don't know how to write captions but you still keep trying, right? So mm -hmm. I think Reels, it's the same idea. Like it's, you're not gonna have the first one go viral. I mean, maybe you will if you're super lucky, but I think it's it's a process. So, you know, being consistent is really important. Another piece of advice I always say is like reuse the content types that are already working for you. So like going into your insights and seeing what of your posts are the most commented on, which ones are the most saved, um, what are people responding to, and then just reusing that content. 
you don't have to reinvent the wheel if you know that people like your tips about I don't know how to make a quick salad like you could make a reel about that you don't have to reinvent the wheel for that you know another tip is keeping them short and sweet just because we have the full 30 seconds available doesn't mean your reels need to be 30 seconds I've even noticed if I'm scrolling and I come across a reel that's 30 seconds it just feels too long and I'm like ah I can't commit and I'll just swipe away so I think like keeping them short and sweet is important you know to that point as well is having one takeaway per reel I've seen people where they'll have a reel that's like my top 10 gym hacks and it's like no like do one gym hack and save those other 10 tips for nine other reels mm. and then of course like doing different formats so trying that out similar to regular content you're going to try out like tutorials you'll try out behind the scenes you'll try out maybe a talking head tip you don't have to stick to the same format for every reel um i've been having a lot of fun with uh lip syncing lately not like getting stuck in your box with just one reel type i think you need to experiment with a few different types that's so key what you said though about looking at past content and seeing what performed well and then using that to turn it into a reel like brilliant i don't know why like that's so smart because then you don't you don't have to reinvent the wheel and you already have your content lineup for you right there that's that's brilliant i love that okay so how important is it to use all the different features on the platform to grow like is there a secret sauce do you have to post five in-feed posts a week to reels a story go live like what should people be doing so officially or unofficially however you want to say it instagram has given like unofficial official numbers about what they want to see from creators so it was one to two lives a week um i believe it was three to seven reels a week i know it's a lot they were saying like two stories a day at least um so there is this expectation of like quite a lot of content um i think the best number or whatever makes the most sense for you would be like what fits into your schedule and thinking about your bigger picture objectives if you are for example like a one-on-one -on -one service provider you don't necessarily need to grow your account huge because you work with people one-on-one -on -one and you don't need a ton of followers one mistake i see often is that people will think like instagram is their business but it's like no instagram is like a piece of the marketing of like the rest of the functions of your business it's not the whole business um, so I think that people do overemphasize the importance of Instagram and, and obviously like I think it is important because I love it and I you know it's my business too but I think it's just a piece of the pie like it's it's just kind of it's not everything so I think that's something to keep in mind but yeah I do suggest you know the when I grow the most it's because I'm posting reels so if growth is something that's really important to you I would say try to post at least three reels a week for the next couple months and see what happens Amazing. that's way more manageable than Instagram's formula <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it feels like a lot. I mean, I know we'll talk about lives later, um, but yeah, like lives are something else I'm seeing a lot of success with. So it really depends. Every business is a little bit different, um, but I do think as long as you are showing up in a way that's like consistent for you, so you are posting like three times a week and not doing like 10 posts and then like falling off the face of the planet for like a week, right? right? right. The consistency part is key. And what's up with IGTV? Because I feel like anytime we've engaged using IGTV, it has not performed well. And I, I don't know if it's just Instagram is not the right place for like longer form content or if we, you should be giving attention to like all the different features it offers. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, to go back to your first point, I realized I didn't really answer the question about using all the features. There are rumors that Instagram rewards accounts that use all of the features. 
and rewarding them usually means that they give you more new features. So for example, the remix feature, I got that back in January and they only just released it in April to everyone else. Hmm. So I think like there is some truth to that, that if you're using certain features, Instagram will reward you with other features. But to go back to the point about IGTV, I don't really post anything to IGTV unless it's a repeat or like a replay of a live that I've already done. Um, I do have a few clients who have like longer form content and they want to post those videos on IG and or on IGTV and they don't really do well. Like they'll we'll get like maybe a few hundred views, but when they have thousands and thousands of followers, it doesn't really seem worth it. So I do mm -hmm. think that the way people use Instagram is they're not necessarily there for long-term content yet. I think that's better suited to maybe YouTube, um, yeah. maybe Facebook, depending on the content, depending on if it's a Facebook group in terms of like creating content specifically for IGTV and then uploading it, I don't see the value in that right now. So what about lives? Should, should people be going live? Are people sick of it? I feel like at the beginning of quarantine, the whole world and their moms were going live on Instagram. <laughs> and if you do recommend it, do you have any tips for just not failing and falling on your face on your first live? Because it's scary. <laughs> I mean, the best way to learn is to like make mistakes and to fail. Yeah, and like, that's true. It's not the most fun way to learn. So, you know, that that being considered, um, you know, I, I totally see what you mean or feel what you mean about how everyone was like burnt out with lives. I like hated lives for so long because I was so sick of like everyone going live every day um, at the beginning of quarantine. I do think that the attitude has shifted a bit. I think it's a matter of like who you're pairing up with. Um, obviously, going live on your own is totally fine, but I have the most fun and I get the most engagement and most amount of like followers afterwards or traffic to my page after if I'm doing it with other guests. I do a weekly live right now with um, their account is your social team and at Grow with Vix. And they're both Instagram coaches and they both have memberships on growing on Instagram. And every week when I do a live with them, I get like one to 300 followers every week. So I think, you know, cross promotion through lives is a really great way to grow your account and to build that audience. You know, we will also bring in a guest every week as well. So that helps bringing in another new audience there. So I think lives are a great way to connect with your audience. Um, they're great for Q&As. They're great for launches if you're doing a launch. Um, and then, of course, live rooms are really great as well. That's awesome. Is there a specific amount of time that you recommend? Yeah. Like, is there is, or is it ever just too long? Like when someone's over an hour or is it like too short if you're only on for 15 minutes? What's the magic number if there is one? I mean, I like to do, like, if I'm doing a live room with someone, I usually expect for it to be an hour. That's kind of like the unwritten expectation. Um, so I think an hour is kind of like a good point. If you're doing it with someone else, if you're answering a lot of questions, if you have a specific topic to cover. Um, if I'm doing lives on my own, I will do like 20 to 30 minutes. Um, I don't have like a hard stop time in mind. I just kind of gauge the audience and like my energy as well. If I'm getting a ton of questions, then I'll do my best to answer the questions. Um, but if I can feel that I'm getting like, it's like the energy is dying or I'm not as high energy, then I will like kind of wrap it up as soon as I can. Because obviously like with lives, you have to be on, like you have to be exciting, you have to be entertaining, you have to make it fun for your audience to be there. Um, so being able to sustain that energy is really important as well. But if I'm not getting like any sort of, you know, comments in the comment section, I'm not getting um, questions, then I can kind of feel like, okay, we can wrap this up and that's kind of it. So. I don't usually put like a hard start or stop time on it for my lives and my individual ones, but like 20 minutes, 30 minutes usually seems to be enough. I always suggest doing um, like on stories, doing one of those event countdown stickers and then putting the topic of your live there so people know that it's coming, they know what to expect. Um, I started doing that and I was so surprised to see that people were turning on the reminders for them. 
I didn't think anyone would care that I was going live. And you can see when people turn on the countdown reminder. So that was like a cool way. Then obviously they get pinged before the live room starts, but you can see people are actually invested in that topic. Um, so that's another cool little tidbit you can do is like let people know it's coming. It's a great idea. Let's talk about the algorithm. So a lot of users are kind of just always blaming like the ever-changing algorithms for big dips in their engagement and performance, especially like over the last year. I've just been seeing that nonstop. But then others are like, hey, if you're losing engagement, losing followers, maybe you just need to be re-examining what you're posting and what your content is. And like the algorithm doesn't work against you. It works with you. But other people think they're being penalized by it. So like, can you speak to that and is there a way to hack it and is it really responsible for dips and jumps? Yeah. So this is a really good question. And it's a big question. Uh, the algorithm is based, it's like a calculation, right? And it's based on people's actions. So your algorithm today will be different than the algorithm you have tomorrow or the next day or the mm -hmm. next day. When I first started on Instagram, I would get fed content that was like from other creators like me, um, other social media people, marketing agencies, there's a couple days where I was like researching a new handbag that I wanted. And now if I go on my explore page, all I see is designer <laughs> handbags. So people forget that the algorithm is like responding to you and what you're already engaging mm -hmm. with. So the way you can make the algorithm work for you is showing your audience what they want to see and creating content that makes them want to engage because Instagram is built on a relationship algorithm. Meaning that if they see any sort of connection between your account and someone else's account, meaning you're engaging with their stories, you're saving their posts, you're liking, you're commenting, Instagram is gonna feed you more of that content, whether it's from that account or it's from similar accounts, um, especially if, with Reels, we are seeing that like similar accounts are being fed if you've indicated an interest in a specific mm -hmm. topic. Um, so I think it's a matter of understanding the algorithm and creating content that is like algorithm friendly, meaning it's user friendly and people wanna consume it. So. Yeah, that's like the most simple way of explaining it. I think if people are complaining about engagement, then you know one of the things I would look at is you know your content. I would go back and see what your best performers are, what was different about them, and try to create more content like mm -hmm. that. It can be really easy to say like, oh, the, you know, Instagram's hiding my content, but good content is good content. It's going to be seen, it's going to be engaged with, and it's going to convert in the way you want it to convert. So I think that's really important as well. Yeah, this is like something I could talk about forever, but I think it's just important to, you know, remember that the algorithm's always changing and engagement's always changing. I know that I spend way less time on Instagram now than I did even a year mm -hmm. ago, because at the beginning of quarantine, there was so much uncertainty and a lot of people were just scrolling and scrolling for hours. Maybe you can't go shopping or you can't hang out with friends. So we were spending more time on the app. And now, because like I'm, like, for example, just my own self, like I'm busier, so I don't spend as much time scrolling as I used to if I comment on something, it's because I really, really like it. And it's like, I have to really want to comment on something. It doesn't mean that I don't like hearing from people. It doesn't mean I'm not going to buy from them. It just means that maybe I'm busy and I don't have the energy to comment on something. So I think having um, realistic expectations and remembering that it's people behind the other side of the screen and like people drive the algorithm. It's not, you know, the algorithm pushing something on you out of nowhere, right? It's because of something you've indicated to the algorithm. Right. And that's such a good point because I, I agree. At the beginning of the pandemic, I feel like everyone was just spending such unprecedented amounts of time on yeah. their phones. So everyone saw probably a lot more engagement or just a lot, a lot more views. Yeah. And then probably halfway through the pandemic is when I started seeing a lot of people being like, 
the algorithm is against me. Like I'm, I'm getting penalized. I'm not getting any engagement. But that was really probably when people started being like, okay, we cannot spend all day on Instagram anymore. We need to like start living lives. <laughs> and, and so it seemed like there was a dip and it might just be because our behaviors changed. Yeah, totally. You know, it is worth mentioning that the algorithm does have biases against certain types of accounts. Um, they've, it's been shown that they're biased against minorities. That's a big one. So, you know, that is something to consider as well, especially if you're posting content that is like, you know, in air quotes, controversial. So you're speaking out against certain political parties, certain uh, movements. I've heard of like vegan accounts getting shut down. I've heard of Black Lives Matter accounts getting shut down. So I think being aware that there is a bit of algorithmic bias, you know, in the back of our minds. But I also think that people are so quick to say the algorithm hates me. And it's like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't hate you. Your content just isn't enough for people to engage with. But I also think, I'm going to go on a little tangent here, that the type of engagement has changed as well. I think when we first were on Instagram, like we would like and comment and then we'd be happy. And now Mm. it's like, I'll see something and I'll still like it. And I like in my brain, I'm like, oh, that's a nice post, but I won't necessarily save it. I won't comment on it. I might not like it, like, like the button, like it, but it's still like, I am still absorbing it. I have one client and they're a, um, like a cosmetic dermatologist and we've had this conversation before where people who come in and like spend time, money, whatever with her, they don't necessarily comment or, you know, anything on their social media account, but they'll come in and say like, Oh, I saw your post and I love this post that you had. And I want to do this procedure. So I think being like mindful that people are consuming content differently is also really important. Even some of my best clients, they don't necessarily like or comment on anything. I post some of them don't even follow me on Instagram. And it's not because they don't like me as a person. It's not because they don't like my content. It's just that there's no need for them to consume that content. So I think being aware of that as well is really important. Yeah. And we've even seen on our own posts that our like our save slash bookmarks have gone up a lot. I've found over the past years and often they'll surpass like the number of likes that we have. Whereas before... I, you know, we probably didn't get as many bookmarks and we had more. And so the, the even the value of the like has changed so much. And there's often, you know, we know that comments are very valuable, but also like shares and saves are really, really valuable. And people's behaviors are just, you know, they're not doing two things at once. Like I'm never going to like, comment and save. So it's like, I've got one action to give <laughs> Way you. Way too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like what you said about like seeing more saves and that's a trend I've noticed as well. Um, another thing I've noticed is that, or at least in my in my mind, my favorite metric is like a mm-hmm. share. Like if someone's sharing yeah. content with someone, that's that's my favorite because it means that they saw it and they were like, oh, like Bob or Trina or whoever would love this post and they're sending it to their friend or they're sharing it to their stories. And that to me is the most valuable type of engagement. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about stories because a lot of people like us get stuck in the cycle of just using Instagram stories to reshare other people's posts or their own posts. And then Instagram came out this year and said like they might remove that feature where you can share your own posts to your stories. And so clearly that's not how Instagram wants people using stories. And so instead of showing up personally, people are just kind of resharing, reposting content. But we definitely want to make that leap to show up more and be more vulnerable and be more, you know, have more of a face behind our brand. And we know a lot of our followers who are business owners have that same desire to show up more in stories. So do you have any tips of how to take advantage of that feature and how to really make the most of it and show up in a impactful way? Totally. I think it's so funny you asked me that because I was just talking to a friend today about how I like don't love stories. I do a lot of my selling on stories, even though I'm not a big story person. 
I think stories are a really great way to connect with your audience because they're so fleeting. It does feel like less pressure to have like this perfect image or this perfect thing show up. So that's one really great component of stories. I have like a weekly story strategy that I do on my own account and that I do for all my client accounts. We'll do like a weekly Q&A. That's been really, really big. I've noticed that's really massively improved my story views. People will like come in on the first little slide where it has like my question box and they'll watch the whole way through. Like if I look at the numbers going down between each slide, it's like tiny. Whereas a normal story, you might see like a big spike and then everyone's like, bye. And they like don't see the rest of your story. So I think like weekly Q and A's are a really great way to build that with your audience. It creates consistency. Like you said, showing your face is really great as well. So if you can commit to doing that one day a week, I like to do like all of my video content on one day. So that's when I'll do like all my lives. I'll do my recording for reels. I'll try and show up on stories. But I think showing your face is really important. Yeah. And using the engagement stickers too, we've found helpful. Like we've been crowdsourcing, you know, more kind of content and opinions from our audiences using polls. And those are by far the best performing things we've we've done on stories because people, they want to weigh in, like they want to be heard. And it's a way to interact that's like, not a big lift for them, but it's still kind of satisfying. Yeah, I love that. And I just finished another sales campaign and I had incorporated a story strategy with it. And I feel like stories are like a window into your world almost. And it's like so much easier for someone to like respond to something on a story and then you're in their DMs and then you're chatting. So I think stories are a really great way to kind of bridge that gap between being a stranger to like being in their DMs organically and not feeling like a weirdo just talking to someone for no reason, right? right? Yeah, that makes sense. And that kind of segues into this next section, which is Instagram for your business or your brand. So we want to know best practices for brands or entrepreneurs and how they can connect with their audience on social. Because if you're just a brand and you don't necessarily have an actual voice or persona behind it, is that hindering you? Is that something people should try to have? What do you recommend? Yeah, I will say that people like to buy from people. So even if you really don't want to show your face or you don't feel like you are the face of your brand, you, you kind of are inadvertently. Um, so I think that's something that's important to consider as well. Having an actual voice and a persona behind the brand is obviously really important. Um, this is something I would kind of map out at the beginning of your social strategy. So for all of my clients, we do have like a fully fleshed out brand voice that even includes like the emojis we use, the comments we reply to, um, how we respond to things. So I think that is really important because it feels like there is a personality behind the brand. If you think of like the best brands in the world, you can think of like the the brand behind them. You can kind of picture them like Nike, like that has like a very strong tone of voice. And then you think about Apple or you think about like Coca-Cola, like these are all like huge, huge multi-billion dollar companies and they feel like they have a personality, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's important regardless of if you're like a service-based business, a product-based business or an experience business. Um, I think it is really important to build that trust and to, make your audience feel like you are speaking to them. And for listeners who are thinking of starting a social account for a new business or a side hustle, like their lash business or homemade jewelry or digital courses, what are three key things that they should do to create a professional, but still like a relatable account that converts for them? Yeah. So one thing I think that is so, so important is like being very clear on like who you are, who you serve, how you serve them. Someone in my DMs earlier today and I was chatting with them And I was like, oh, I'd love to work with her. She does like brow lamination, but I had to like go to her page and be like, oh, where does she work? And she didn't have the location tag. And that's like one thing, like if I was a stranger and I came across that account and I didn't see where she was servicing or where she worked, 
I would be like, nope. And I would never think yeah. about it again. Like no one's going to go digging on your website to feel, to see if they can work with you unless they really, really are desperate mm -hmm. to. But I think making it really easy for people off the bat so that it's an easy decision to follow or engage or hire you, I think being really, really clear is important. You know, one thing that I see is like people won't have branding, which is such a big word, but like I, having like your colors and like the same fonts and using the same fonts and colors consistently, mm -hmm. it's such a little step, but it makes such a difference. Like if you go between an account that is not following any colors or fonts, and you go to one that's at least trying, like that's one thing that makes someone look really professional off the right. bat. And then of course, responding to comments. If I like go into an account and I see that they don't even respond to the comments they get, I will think like, oh, they're not very active on social or like it's not important to them. And sometimes I like to read comments just to see like if there's a question I wanna ask that someone else has already asked and they've answered. Right. Um, so I think that's another like little tip is like people will often be thinking about like, oh, growing their audience and getting new people. But I think the focus or the priority should be on serving the people you already have first. I love that. And then on that, how do you think you can up your engagement when you're just starting out, whether you've got a thousand followers, 500 followers, whatever it might be? Do you recommend that you engage with a certain amount of similar accounts or hashtags? Is that even a good use of people's time anymore? What do you recommend? Yeah, this is such a good question. I'm working on um, like a document right now that's basically going to be like a priorities document for social media. And exactly like you said, like, is that a good use of your time? It really depends. Like if you're just starting out and your time isn't worth as much at meaning like you don't have a ton of client work to get to or you don't have a ton of leads to follow up on, um, then I would say like outbound engagement is not a bad thing. I would make sure you're super intentional with it. You're liking or commenting or connecting with people who are super relevant to you. So if you're like a location bit specific business, if you sell donuts, for example, checking out who is following the other donut companies in your city and engaging with them so they at least know you exist. I know lately I've heard, you know, engagement's not a good use of your time, but I have bought things from people who found me on Instagram. And um, there's like a local charcuterie company that like randomly followed me and liked and commented on a bunch of my things. And I ordered literally because they found me on Instagram and I was like, oh, like, that's kind of cool. So, you know, it's not necessarily a terrible use of your time, but it would be like kind of at the bottom of my list. Like I would make sure that I'm like nurturing my current audience. So I'm creating good content. I'm creating reels. I'm collaborating, following up on any DMs that I may have missed, comments I may have missed. And then at the very bottom of that list would be like outbound engagement, looking for new people. Yeah. And I like what you said about being like intentional about it too, because I've seen people like just do mass followings and comments and then just unfollow you a week later. And you're just like, that's a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, I've had people do that to me where I know they're doing follow unfollow, follow. And then I will make a mental note. I'm like, OK, never work with that yeah. person. Like never like go see that person. <laughs> so yeah, <sighs> yeah, because it feels very disingenuous when they follow you, like and comment on a bunch of things about how amazing your account is and they unfollow you. It's like, oh, like. Did you mean any of that stuff? I don't know. And you can tell when it's just bullshit. Like when someone just is spamming people's profiles being like, great account, check out mine. I'm like, no. Whereas when someone's just like, oh, I've I've also been to that beautiful park and it's like the nicest walk of my life. Then I'm like, okay, cool. You actually are engaging and you care about this. Thank you. Like I would like to engage with you now. You can stay. Yes. <laughs> you can sit with us. So what tools or softwares do you, you use to map out your content? The most basic tool that I will use to start off with is I'll use Asana. Um, so in Asana, I map out my content buckets or my content pillars, and I kind of brainstorm ideas for any content I want to cover there. 
Um, the nice thing about Asana is you can use it on your desktop or on your phone. So I do have like a running list in Asana of content ideas that I want to get to. And then whenever I hop onto my computer to create that content, I can like check it off if I've done it or I can move it to the to another section to come back to next week. So Asana is really good for getting everything in one place. In my Reels course, I have like a template document that I use to plan out my Reels. So that's what I use for my Reels because I like to actually mind map things out there. And then I use Canva for all my content creation. It's like the easiest program in the world and I love, I love it. it. I used to try and struggle with Photoshop and it wasn't yeah. worth it. I use a lot of templates. This is something people don't realize are like the biggest game changer. I use so many templates. It's like the best thing I've discovered for my business and I use them for clients accounts as well. So that's awesome. And then I use later to schedule and post all my content. Oh, and then I use, sorry, I have like so many tools. We, we love this. <laughs> I have a hashtag research tool that I use called Flick. Um, that's a great one. I mean, I don't know how important hashtags are going to be moving forward. We are hearing like rumors that they're going away, mm. um, which I'm not convinced by yet. Um, but yeah, Flick is a great tool for hashtags. Amazing. Love all of those. We love Canva. Canva is life. When you say templates, do you mean like you're creating the templates for all your different, like what your reels look like, what your, if you're doing like a tip post, what that looks like, are you doing that in Canva and then just repurposing that, that standard template? Uh, yes and no. Like I am not super graphically inclined. So I usually just buy templates. Um, I have templates that I get uh, from a friend who sells them. And then I also will go on creative market and just get templates from there. I used to try and like DIY my own templates and it, it just never went well. And it's not a good use of your time. You know, it would take me like an hour to create a template or I can just spend 50 bucks to get like a hundred. Right. So that's why I've switched over to using templates as much as possible. I feel like outsourcing is the key to happiness. Like just don't spend a hundred hours trying to learn Photoshop and designing a beautiful template when that is not your strong suit. I love that. That's great advice. <laughs> Especially for entrepreneurs too. It's like, you don't have to wear every single hat. And if it's, if that's not your jam and if that's not what you're the best at, then like use your time on what you are the best at. Yeah, totally. I mean, when you're first starting out, you have to be like a little scrappier. Like I did everything on my own when I started out. Um, and I don't know, maybe that was helpful. Maybe it wasn't. Um, but I think like as you start to grow and scale your business, it makes more sense to invest your money in things that are going to help you make mm -hmm. more money, mm -hmm. right? Totally. So we'd love to chat with you about mental health and social media and just people with their personal accounts. So do you have any advice for people who might have a fear of being judged that's holding them back from showing up online or maybe they're just overthinking every post that they want to post? What do you recommend for those people? Asking for a friend. <laughs> Uh, such a good question. I, you know, this is something that I hear a lot. Um, it's super valid. Um, I would recommend, you know, starting a new account from scratch if that's something you're worried about, if you feel like you're going to be judged by friends and family, or, you know, just trying to not care about it and just doing it anyway. But when I first started my account or my business, I just made a new account and I didn't even think about anyone else. I don't know, maybe it was because it was so close to like the, the death in my family that I'd been through, but it really changed my priorities. So I never like thought, oh, people are going to judge me. Like it didn't even cross my mind. So I also think, you know, keep in mind that people are too busy thinking about themselves. If someone's judging you for what they're, you're doing online, like it says more about them than it does about you. But I think it has to come from within. Like I can sit here all day and tell you how like no one cares about what you're posting online, but it really has to come from within. So if you know that what you're doing is important or it's valuable or going back to your why, like why you are starting your account or why you are showing fitness tips online. 
if you can hold on to that, I think it makes it a lot easier to crowd, you know, block out all the noise from everyone else. So that's something that's a bit more tangible than saying like, just don't care about them. I used to be like the queen of overthinking. Like this is one of the reasons why my account stayed stuck. Like for the first kind of year, I shouldn't say it was stuck. I mean, I grew like 3000 followers in a year, which is still really good, but it did feel like I was stuck because I was overthinking every single thing I posted. And my friend, her name's Manu, she's from your social team. And she had this like amazing post that was like, overthinking your account is gonna hurt you more than one bad post ever could. Mm. One bad post is not gonna kill your account, but overthinking every single thing to the point that you're not posting, that will hurt your account more. So when I read that, I was like, oh my goodness, like, yes, that is so true. So yeah, I think keeping that in mind as well is super helpful. I go back to that quite a bit whenever I get um, analysis paralysis. But I like what you said about if you're really worried about going in a new direction, about just like starting a new account, starting from fresh. I've honestly found I've been able to post things that are more vulnerable or maybe that would have scared me more through our podcast account than like on my own account because I feel like I'm I'm building a brand and, and I feel like it is Kaylin and I, it's us, but it's also like an arm's distance from us and like people know that they're what they're getting, they know what they're getting into when they follow us. And so it, I feel more comfortable with that than to all of a sudden try to get like self-helpy on my own account. And then I feel like uncomfortable doing that. So that's a great piece of advice. Like if you are worried or overthinking about something that you want to start doing on your personal account, you can always start something new and create almost like a separation in your mind that allows you to be freed from that judgment. Yeah, totally. I think that's a great point. And it's one of the reasons like I don't, post much on my personal account because I don't have much to say personally like it's just my life or whatever but then I have that creative outlet on my business account so I think you know having that depth that separation can really help I love what you said about how it's like almost at an arm's length and it feels almost empowering to do it that way yeah for sure and do you have any strategies um, for when people just are stuck in a rut of not knowing what to post like how do you break out of that creative rut and do some engaging brainstorming and and create more authentic content? Yeah, that's such a good question. I'm actually working on a reel about this right now. You know, I had a few tips. One of them is like, go for a walk in a different neighborhood. That like little change of perspective always seems to help. So I will like drive to like the bougie neighborhood down the road and like walk around and like just think like differently, if that makes sense. I will like to go, like I love going to like Indigo or Chapters and like I'll look through the magazine section, just walk through the magazine aisle and like look at headlines and see like how they've worded certain things. Like these people, they get paid to write headlines. Like that's what they do, that's their bread and butter. So there's like a proven formula behind that. So even if I just look at one headline, I can get ideas from that on how I can translate that into my own account, into my own brand, into my own um, content. Other ideas, I love to use like Pinterest because it is a search engine and I'll go into Pinterest and I'll type like one or two words relevant to my content and see what people are searching for, see what's already trending. Another cool website for that is answerthepublic.com. And you can sort it by um, like country. Um, you can see like what people are searching around that, like words before and after like propositions and like just see what people are searching for already. So those are like some of my favorite tips if I'm stuck in a content rut. If I'm at the point where I feel like I need a break, this is something my friend from your social team teaches as well. She'll say like, go and look at your best performers and just repost those. So you can take a couple days off to like get your bearings and post again. But if I'm really stuck, I will just take time off because there's nothing worse than like trying to force yourself to be creative. And like the more you force it, the worse it is. So like if I'm not feeling inspired, I'm just like, okay, I'm not creating content today. Like that's the end of that. So 
I won't even try and force it if I'm not feeling creative. That was such great advice. I love everything that you said and I will be trying all of that. That was great. Brilliant. So moving on to boundaries, can you talk to us about how we can set healthy boundaries with social media if it's a part of our job, as it is yours, and (laughs) just be a little bit more mindful about the time that we're spending on the platform? Absolutely. I think the most important um, part to start with is kind of your mindset and your approach to social media. Um, So I think if you approach social media as a tool, it makes it a lot easier to be on it if you have to be on it quite a bit and not you know, attribute your personal worth to how your social media account is. I really like to look at it, look at it the same way I would look at it as a website. It's a tool for your business. It's a way to create awareness for your business, but it's not your business and it's not you. No one would ever look at a website and be like, oh, their life is more perfect than mine. I think we have to really keep in mind that social media is a tool and it's a projection of what we want people to see. It's the best of the best. Um, so I think, you know, approaching it with that mindset makes a big difference as well. In terms of like healthy boundaries, um, you know, I set time limits on my phone every day. So I don't go over an hour and a half of Instagram a day. There are days when I go over and I can kind of feel it because I will feel kind of, you know, not burnt out, but like tired. Like it just feels like mm-hmm. it's a lot. Um, so being aware of that, obviously everyone's um, bandwidth for Instagram or for social media consumption is a little bit different. But for me, because I am an introvert, it can feel very exhausting. So that's something to keep in mind as well having those time limits really helps me to stay accountable to not going over certain things. And then of course there are the options of, you know, like if you are one of those people who can't like the time limits don't work for you, I would say like logging out, deleting the app for set periods of time. Um, There's a really cool app that I use called moment and it shows you like how many pickups you have in a day. So how many times you're picking up your phone, it shows you how much time you spend in the moment. So that's any time you go more than 30 minutes without touching your phone that's counted as like in the moment time. So I'll, I'll look at that to see that I am like being in the moment every day and I'm not checking my phone constantly. But I do think that the best way to get to that point or like to be aware of it is to like think about how it makes you feel when you spend a lot of time on social media. Cutting out social media time for the sake of cutting out social media time isn't really effective. You have to think like when I spend less time on social media, I'm going to gain more time with my family or with my dog or like reading. Mm -hmm. So I think instead of thinking of like a negative aspect, try to make it a positive by saying, I'm only spending an hour on social media, which gives me more time to go to the gym or whatever else your other priorities are and kind of reframing it that way because social media in and of itself isn't inherently evil or bad, but it is addictive. So I think being aware of that and making sure that it isn't dominating your life or your day-to-day is really important. Another thing I do is I don't sleep with my phone in the room. Um, I try not to go on social media before I've done my morning routine. Um, So those are some boundaries that I've set for myself. But I think everyone's different and you have to decide that for yourself. When I heard from people, oh, social media is so bad for you. Like that wasn't enough for me to want to change. It had to come from like within, if that makes sense. So I think it's something you have to discover for yourself. Everyone has a different bandwidth of what feels good for them and what doesn't feel good. So being aware of that really helps. I love that. Those are such good tips. I think being mindful of who you're following too is another helpful one. That's something that I've tried to do this past year, especially with quarantine because we are on our phones Mm -hmm. a lot more. And just following like happy accounts and like people who don't make me feel bad and whether that's their – like it's obviously not their intent to make me feel bad. But if I am having a reaction to a profile, maybe it's not for me. So thank you for those tips. And then the last question we love to ask all of our guests is what is one thing that you wish you'd learned in school? Yeah, I wish that I'd learned how to tie everything together and like how it all relates to each other. 
Um, I did my undergraduate degree in business. So I would like do a course on finance and then I did one on like pricing strategies and then I would do one on like accounting. And like you learn every single course in its own little box, but you never learn how it all integrates and how it all fits in together. Um, so I think like learning how to tie everything together, how it all makes sense in the big picture would have been a really um, helpful tool and even just how to use these things in day to day. Thank you so much, Laura, for sharing your killer social media expertise with us today. We learned so much. Totally. And if you want to up your Instagram game, be sure to follow Laura on Instagram for tons of tips and tricks. You can find her at bsquared.social and check out her website at www.bsquared.social. We hope this episode helps you make the most out of Instagram so you can grow online like a boss. Even if you're scared to use your voice or don't feel like anyone's going to pay attention, just remember this quote from author Amy Jo Martin. Social media is the ultimate equalizer. It gives a voice and a platform to anyone willing to engage. That's what she said. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye.